Loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us an opportunity today to come together to study your word, your word in nature, and your word in the Bible and spirit of prophecy, how it applies to our lives. And Lord Jesus, as you gave these parables before, you did it with an intent so that when people would look upon the things that you tied the spiritual lesson to the natural, when they would see the natural, it would remind them of the spiritual. And I pray that that will be our experience today, that as we look at flowers, pollination, and fertilization, and fruit, that when we eat an apple, we'll be reminded of the spiritual lessons that you have in store for us today. May your spirit guide us now as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Parable of the Plant, Part 2. By the way, just for a point of reference, we started off here with the seed, and then we picked up the leaves and photosynthesis. We're now at flowers. We're skipping the stem and the roots. Those are two other talks. We're going to pick up with flowers and pollination. So flowers are a universal expression of love and caring. <clears throat> How many of you have ever been at this place? Do you know where this is? No? That's one of my favorite places on planet Earth. That's Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. Very, very beautiful place. So we see flowers at weddings and at hospitals and at nursing homes. And people give them for celebrating birthdays and anniversaries. People just don't even think of the spiritual lesson in flowers when they do that, I'm sure. I mean, I do, but that's because I know something that they don't know. The purpose of all flowering plants is to reproduce, producing seeds after their kind. And every stage of the plant has this goal in mind. The flower, however, is the part of the plant that houses the reproductive parts. Before a plant can flower and produce fruit, it must store up a supply of food. It must be exposed daily to the proper amount of daylight and darkness and it must have a flowering hormone. So the first thing the plant needs to do is to store up a supply of food. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but we'll talk about it more today. So this is where the leaves play an important part. 25% of the food that a plant makes is used by the plant for its growth. 75% of the fruit of the food that it makes goes for fruit development and seed development. So three quarters of the life energy of a plant is focused on one purpose, to reproduce itself. And if you've ever mowed dandelions in your yard, like I have in my yard, the dandelion plant, if you don't mow it, you know, the plant grows and it'll get, oh, six inches high off the ground and the flower comes up from there. If you mow it, the plant may only be two inches high. If you mow it again, it'll be one inch high, but it will still flower and it will still put forth seed even if it's only an inch tall. And that's because the whole purpose of the plant is to reproduce itself. Size of and the number of the leaves can be directly correlated to the size and the type of the crop. So 30 to 35 leaves makes one decent sized Macintosh apple. So if your trees are struggling and they don't have enough leaves and you're wondering why you're not getting enough fruit, it's probably because the trees are in stress and they're not putting out enough leaves. So it takes 12 to 15 leaves to produce one bunch of seedless grapes. And we as Christians need also to store up spiritual strength. David tells us in Psalms 119, 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart 
that I might not sin against thee. And Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is a very interesting quote. Review and Herald, March 11, 1890. The servant of the Lord tells us, may God help us to gather up the jewels of his promises and deck memory's hall with the gems of his word. We should be armed with the promises of God. Our souls should be barricaded with them. When Satan comes in with his darkness, and seeks to fill my soul with gloom, I repeat some precious promise of God. Isn't that the way Jesus worked? When the devil came and brought his temptations in the wilderness, the only way he defeated him was it is written. Well, the only reason why he could quote it as written is because he had put it as written in his mind from a child. So the second thing that a plant needs to flower is to be exposed to the proper amount of daylight and darkness. You may have always wondered why in the fall does a tree's leaves turn color and fall off? The temperature may still be 70 degrees outside, but the leaves are starting to change. And it's because of this. It's because of the light-dark mix. What's today, by the way? First day of summer. It's the longest day of the year. From now on, the days are going to get shorter. Summer equinox, they call it. We're going to be talking about stars on Friday. I'm getting ahead of myself. So the second thing the plant needs is to be exposed to light and dark. Well, what about us? We also need to be exposed to sunshine. We talked about this a little bit. These are different quotes. Steps to Christ, page 68. As the flower turns to the sun, that the bright beams may aid in perfecting its beauty and symmetry, so should we turn to the sun of righteousness, that heaven's light may shine upon us, that our character may be developed into the likeness of Christ. Character developed into the likeness of Christ. We've already seen what the sunshine is. 1 John 1.5, we looked at this a couple of days ago. God is light. And we found out that God's light consists of three colors, three primary colors. And you remember what they are because most of you were here. Red was what? Self-sacrificing love. Green was what? Faith and blue was obedience, and the three of them combined together to make white light. So John tells us that if we walk in that light, the light of God's presence, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We'll come back to this text in a little while. But the beauty here is that we are not only to receive light, but as we looked at on the first day of this seminar, we must reflect that light to others. Otherwise, we're going to be in big trouble when Jesus comes back. Review and Herald, December the 2nd, 1875. The soul can be kept pure and strengthened only by what? Walking in the light as Christ is in the light. Bible Echoes and Signs of the Times, 7, 15, 18, 92. Our lives will not always be sunshine. There will be trials. I'm sure you've experienced them. I have. Everybody that's on this planet bears trials in their lives. So how does that work with plants and us spiritually? Through conflict, the spiritual life is strengthened. 
Trials well born will develop steadfastness of character and precious spiritual graces. Spiritual is misspelled. Look at that. The perfect fruit of faith, meekness, and love often matures best amid storm clouds and darkness. Review and Herald 410, 1894. Trials are essential in order that we may be brought close to our Heavenly Father in submission to His will, that we may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Romans 5.3, Paul tells us, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience. Well, in the natural world, in the plants, scientists call this darkness, um, they have, a, they have a, a term, a biological term, called the flowering hormone. And it's the balance between light and dark that causes the plant to start to develop this flowering hormone. Same kind of principle here. The idea is that the hormone is going to start to produce a flower which is going to produce fruit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is this guy right here, right? Patience. So, Paul tells us again in Hebrews chapter 10.36, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. 1 Peter 2.20 tells us, For what glory is it when ye are buffeted for your faults? Ye shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. James 1.3-4, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So keep that thought in mind about perfect work as we continue on. The de little devotional book, This Day with God, page 47, Ellen White tells us this, the opposition which you meet may prove an advantage to you in many respects. It will develop a class of Christian virtues which seldom spring up in the path of prosperity and sunshine. How many people develop patience when things are going good? That's not where it's developed. Faith, patience, forbearance, heavenly mindedness, increasing trust and providence are the fruits which blossom and mature amid clouds of darkness, storm, and tempest. So the third thing that, a, that is needed to form flowers, this flowering hormone must be transported from the leaves to the growing tip of the stem, right down here. Doesn't look like much right now, but very shortly it would look just like that. The hormone acts on the stem tip and causes it to stop its growth as a stem and to develop into a bud that will result in a flower. So Isaiah 27 verse 6 says, He shall cease, I'm sorry, He shall cause them that come of Jacob. Who are they that come of Jacob? Who are the descendants of Jacob? Israel, that was Jacob, right? So the descendants of Israel were the 12 tribes. And we're the spiritual 12 tribes today, so this is talking about us. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Kind of an interesting thought. Again, Review and Herald, June 28, 1892, tells us that faith, patience, forbearance, heavenly-mindedness, trust in providence, and genuine sympathy with the erring are the results of trial well-born. 
These are the graces of the Spirit, which bud, blossom, and bear fruit amid trials and adversity, meekness, humility, and love, always grow on the Christian tree. So if you're not seeing meekness, humility, and love in your life, then maybe something's happened. Maybe you've been severed from the vine and need to be grafted back in again. So in the plant, we have a number of things, four basic component parts of the flower. They are the pistil, which is this part right here. Not working. Let me come over here. The pistil, which is the stigma, the style, and the ovary. That's the center part. The ovary is right here, and within the ovary is the egg. That's all part of the pistil. The stamen is the part on the outside that has the pollen. The sepals are the part down at the, at the bottom of the flower that protected the flower until it opened up. And then you have the petals, and they all have a purpose. The petals, obviously, as we saw the other day, have this ultraviolet glow to them that an insect sees. That's all part of the petals that draws that insect into the stamen, picks up the pollen, flies to another flower, and rubs up against the stigma of the pistil and deposits that pollen there. And we're going to see how that works in just a moment. There's a neat animation. I didn't download it. I should have. But there's a neat animation that runs about four or five minutes long. And it shows that grain of pollen landing on the top of the stigma. And microscopically, they filmed this little pollen tube. It's, it's really, really a special video. I really enjoyed that. But I don't have it. Okay, got to come back over here. So, once the flower appears on the plant, the process of pollinization and fertilization can take place. This is a microphotograph of pollen grains. Now, I don't know about you, but I have allergies, and I am allergic to some pollen. But if you look at the shape of these things, it's no wonder that it drives some people's noses crazy. You know, when you see something like this, little spikes sticking out, this is only two-dimensional, three-dimensional, they really look bad. And yet there's a reason that those pollen grains look that way. When the pollen is transferred to the, um, from the anther to the stigma portion of the pistil, what happens there is, and at least this is the way that I've always understood it, is that the, the pollen grain itself, this particular shape, like in this case, this shape, whatever plant that came from, the, the receptacle in the stigma has that shape. So no other pollen is going to go in to that opening, only that one shape of pollen. So once, once that happens, the, on a self-pollinating plant, the pollen can transfer from the anther to the stigma all by itself. But on a, on a, um, a cross-pollinating plant, it has to have some vehicle. Either the wind blows the pollen, an insect picks it up, hummingbird comes in, and it attaches to that whatever it is, and it goes from flower to flower in cross-pollination. Cross-pollination plants seem to be stronger and healthier, probably because they get a different gene pool that helps strengthen them. You know, I guess there's a Christian principle there for me anyway. And that, you know, the Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need each other. We need to cross-pollinate each other. I don't know 
how you are, but when I get together with a group of Christians and we're studying the Word, it's a feast for me because we've all got our own ideas that God has put in our minds that we can share collectively. It's kind of like cross-pollinating. So there are several steps in pollination. A pollen grain falls on the stigma. The stigma receives only the right-shaped pollen grains. The pollen grain swells as, as it um, comes in contact with the liquid that's on the stigma, and it splits open. And once it splits open, the pollen grain sends down this microscopic root-like tube that goes down into the ovule of the, of the female part of the flower, and it burrows into the ovule, and it causes the ovule to become fertilized. Tube grows downward through the style, carries the minute male cells. Pollinization, pollination alone does not ensure the formation of fruits and seeds. The pollen grain must reach the little ovals in the ovary in a process called fertilization. So as the pollen grain descends through the style, it goes through a chemical change. The pollen tube seeks out an ovule. Once it has found an ovule, it empties its contents. The ovule and the sperm cell unite. The flower dies, it's done its work, and the seed is born, or the seed starts to develop. In some plants, this fertilization may only take an hour. In witch hazel, it takes seven months for fertilization to take place. So what are some spiritual lessons we can gain from that? Well, not all pollen grains are received by the stigma. Seeds of truth aren't always received either, are they? They have to come at just the right time. Only pollen grains that fit the stigma swell, split, and grow downward. So the timing and the conditions must be right for fertilization to take place in an unconverted heart too. You know, you may give a tract to somebody, it may sit on their shelf, or they may throw it away and somebody else picks it up. That person may be ready to receive the truth at that time. So Luke 8, 15 tells us, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what has to happen in the Christian is a chemical change, if you will, in your thinking, transformation. My wife's going to be talking about that tomorrow, this word transform, a chemical change. So the pollen grain has to go through a chemical change. John tells us in John 3, 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. David understood that. It is Christ that brings about a change in our hearts. That's why he prayed this prayer, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And then Paul tells us, once that fertilization takes place, and the female and the male cells come together, and pollinization results in fertilization, the two individual cells now become one, right? So this is what Paul's telling us. We need to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Unlike the word let there that Paul uses, he's telling us there that the only way that we can prevent that from happening is to not let it happen. If we ask Christ to come in and take possession of our lives, it will happen. The only way it won't is if we don't let it. So finally, when the plant has invested so much of itself to accomplish fertilization, 
fruit takes place. So we had the seed, which was Jesus. We have the water, which was Jesus. We have the soil and the warmth and the air and the sunlight of Jesus, all working together in our lives to bring forth fruit. Just like it does in the plant. So Jesus tells us, but he that received seed into the good ground is he that hears the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Galatians 5, and 23 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Notice what it says there. It says the fruit. Is that plural or singular? It's singular, isn't it? It's not multiple choice. The true Christian will have all of these in varying levels of perfection. When you accept Christ into your life, he brings this with him. And it grows at different rates within each and every one of us. But we'll all have all of this if we're true Christians in one degree or another. Fruit singular. So Jesus tells us, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And what he's talking about here is not what he's talking about here is between a righteous person and an unrighteous person. One has a certain kind of fruit and the other has a certain kind of fruit. John 15, 8 says that herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. For the fruit to fully ripen, we must abide in the vine. So I don't know how many of you like green tomatoes. I know <laughs> somebody in here likes green tomatoes. To me, they're better when they stay on the vine and they ripen. So Jesus tells us to abide in him. He says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So it is essential for the fruit to cling to the tree for it to ripen. Likewise, it is essential for us. Christ Object Lessons, page 61. The husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and have long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. So the Christian is to wait with patience for the fruition in his life of the word of God. Often when we pray for the graces of the spirit, God works to answer our prayers by placing us in circumstances to develop these fruits but we do not understand his purpose and wonder and are dismayed. Yet none can develop these graces except through the process of growth and fruit bearing. Our part is to receive God's word and to what? Hold it fast. My wife's going to be talking about that here in just a few moments. Hold it fast, yielding ourselves fully to its control and its purpose in us will be accomplished. So when the fruit is ripe and it falls off the tree, the new life for a new plant is in the seed contained in the fruit. It's a self-contained biological living thing. I don't know if any of you have ever taken seeds and opened them up like if you take a lima bean seed, what do you find inside? A little miniature plant, right? Absolutely. It's just a little miniature plant. In fact, the lima bean seed's got the leaves already there. This apple 
seed. You can't see the leaves there. Well, actually what's going to happen, the leaves are inside, so this is going to become the roots, and it's going to bury itself in the soil, and then the seed's going to open up, and you can see a little green right here. So those are the leaves of the new apple tree. And it is the fruit that provides protection for the seeds while they are forming. And after the seeds are formed, the fruit helps to distribute them. When the fruit is ripe and full of sugar, it's easy to eat. Birds and other animals eat the fruit and the seeds, which don't digest, and they are spread elsewhere through another biological process. But the whole purpose is to get to those seeds. So think about it for just a moment in the spiritual realm. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, we looked at this text just a moment ago, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. So this he contrasts with the fruit of worldliness and sin in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, where he talks about things like hatred and variance and emulations and wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and reveling. Which would you rather be offered if you were hungry? Well, I would much rather have love, joy, peace, patience, etc. than hatred, emulation, and strife. So likewise, that's the way it is with us the precious seed of truth that we have to share with someone else is much more palatable to a person hungering and thirsting for spiritual truth if we manifest love than hatred, peace rather than anger, if we show acts of mercy and acts of kindness, those allow the seeds to sprout in a person's heart. But if we offer somebody a Bible study and we're mad and we're angry, do you think they're going to be more receptive or less receptive? Less receptive. Christ's Object Lessons, page 67. The object of the Christian life is fruit-bearing, the reproduction of Christ's character in the believer, that it may be what? Reproduced in others. After all, isn't that what the purpose of a Christian is? is to bear fruit and to win souls. So Christ's Object Lessons, page 68 says, it is the privilege of every Christian not only to look for, but to hasten the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Were all who profess his name bearing fruit to his glory, how quickly the whole world would be sown with the seed of the gospel. Quickly the last great harvest would be ripened and Christ would come to gather the precious grain. You remember the story that Jesus told? It wasn't really a parable, it was a real life experience. He came to an olive tree that was fully in bloom. Now we know that an olive tree fully in bloom shouldn't have any fruit, correct? Well, supposedly he came back to that tree a while later, expecting to find fruit on that tree that was fully in bloom at one time. And what did he find? Nothing. There was no fruit on that tree. Now, the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy says that that tree represented the nation of Israel. And she, Ellen White, talks about this here. She says, as the glory of the good tree testifies of its value by the fruit it bears, so also the genuine Christian is known by his usefulness. He does not merely blossom out with a pretentious show and professing godliness, but he bears fruit with all his might and name. There is not a dying twig or a barren bough on the whole tree which grows by the rivers of waters of the grace of Christ. Quite an interesting thought. So what does the master gardener do with the trees in his orchard that don't bear fruit? Jesus gave that parable in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. I didn't put it here. Because Ellen White talks about that. 
as she was instructed to apply this same counsel to one of the brethren in her day. So she says, Brother A, you should have gained a valuable experience during the many years that you have been blessed with the great light God has permitted to shine upon your pathway. I heard a voice saying in reference to you, it is an unfruitful tree. Why should its fruitless branches shadow the space that a fruitful tree might occupy? Cut it down. For why cumbereth it the ground? Then I heard the pleading tones of mercy's sweet voice saying, Spare it a little longer. I will dig about its roots. I will prune it. Give it one more trial. If it fails to be fruitful, then you may cut it down. So a little longer probation is granted the unproductive tree. A little long, longer time for the barren life to blossom and bear fruit. Will the opportunity given be improved? Will the warnings of God's Spirit be heeded? So Paul tells us in Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It was the master gardener that took care of that unfruitful tree. And hopefully by his doing in our lives, we will bear that fruit. So the key for us is to have fully developed fruit by having Christ inside our hearts. So this fruit can never perish, according to Christ's Object Lessons, page 69, but will produce after its kind a harvest unto eternal life. When the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. And when the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. And that is the life cycle of the plant and how it relates to us spiritually. So my wife, somewhere around here, she has something that she is going to share with us. So we will give her a moment or two. Any questions? Yes. Except for one atom. Magnesium versus iron. Mm -hmm. Now I'm still baffled by that. Why scientists have not figured a way to make that chemical conversion? Sure would solve a lot of problems. Any other thoughts or questions? I'll give her a moment to come out. Yes. Those steps again? Yeah, let me go back to them for you. She's got a little exercise for you here. Let me find out if she's okay. She's been having some problems. I'll be right back. Would you have prayer with me for just a moment? Um, my wife has pancreatitis, 
Hechizada in the past, Hechizada in the future, and the future. These kind of things always happen here every year at Camp Newton. She usually gives talks every year. And every year she has problems So would you please pray with me right now? Father in heaven, the devil is on the attack. There's a message that you've given my wife to share with these people today and tomorrow. And she's having some problems right now in a special way. That you would just draw near to her, that you would give her your presence, that you would send angels that excel in strength to fight back the agents of evil that are trying to attack her right now. Just ask for you would be with her, that you would bring healing to her body, and that you would just restore her health in Jesus' name. Amen. Two years ago, she was walking down the steps in our house, and she missed the last step, and she fell and hit her back on the corner of the wall, and she was in pain for days. And I have just a couple Thank you, Angie. This is called the great controversy. <laughs> this happens every time I speak. I'm feeling like I'm having a pancreatic attack like I've had like four years ago. But every time I do camp meeting, one year I ended up in the hospital almost because I had a, I was an allergy reaction. I've never been allergic to anything. One year, I, right before camp meeting, I fell off my steps and ran into the wall. And so every time I speak, something happens. So this is not unusual, but I am really sick right now. And I just, my stomach just knotted up, but it feels like one of those pancreatic attacks. So I just figure it's the devil. We're just going to keep going. If I have to quit, I'll quit, because I have to speak tomorrow, <laughs> so we're just going to work through it, because I think that's what it is. It's not new for me. I don't know why he picks on me, doesn't pick on my husband, so I don't know why he, he picks on me. <laughs> he does it every year. Every year there's something. I'm just waiting. Um, anyway, so I think that's what it is. Angie went through a lot of these, L and N, L and F, L and N, L and N, what is L? N, F, right? Lost and found. Lost and Found is an Adventist um, book center that you can get in touch with. It's a, a, you find it online, but they have a lot of old Adventist books. Now, those of you that haven't been to Angie's class, at least go over there Friday. Look at her resources. Her library looks like my library, only I have some of the old, old books that I got from Wildwood. One's called Book of Science. You may be able to find some of those on here, but they're old, old books. Uh, my library is full of things. The reason I didn't bring them because we weren't really doing nature like she's ex explaining it. Um, and I'll tell you what we did. And that's why I know I'm having this attack. I'm going to show you how to do one of these in-depth studies right now. <laughs> and I know that's why he's just mad. Um, character sketches she just went through. Helen Fazee and Terry McComb. Um, Helen Fazee, um, I don't know if you've read her husband, has a lot of good stuff. They've gone, been gone for a long time now. But they have a gospel according to a snowflake, gospel according to a blade of grass, a tree, a dandelion. Terry McComb has picked up on some of that and continued on. So you can get a lot of that type of concept through him. Um, we worked with Terry a long time ago. Creation Magazine, Tom Ish, this is Adventist. Um, they've been around for at least 25 years because they used to have Ron Wright articles for him. And um, you'll find a lot of stuff at the Creation Magazine if you want to get that. Did you want to say something on that? Okay, so that's really good. There is a good science curriculum that's out there in Creation, put out by Answers in Genesis. So if you want something that's very spiritual, that's done for you, it's done. It's out there. Sunlight Education, like she said, .com. Um, Jeannie Cook was around when our kids were little. And so she has asked to um, take a lot of our material and use it in her curriculum. Um, her business went out of business, and now she just offers it all free. So you can just go in there and pick up. There's a lot of good material. And then, of course, um, like I said, if you go to Angela's program, it's um, in conference too, you can look at the resources. Now, I'll be honest, we have a library like hers, but that's not what I used. <laughs> um, in reality, when we were going through this, I wanted the Bible, Spirit of Prophecy, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be taught, um, huh? And well, I was going to say in a science book. I wanted to be taught by God. 
And so what I did, I'm going to show you one of those right now and let you. So I need everyone to get a piece of paper and a pencil back there because we're going to give you a little lesson here of how I did it. And we're just going to keep walking through this. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, because the pain is pretty intense. Yeah. Oh, this kind of pain is like, yeah. The first time I had a pancreatic attack, the, t the doctor asked me, from a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being childbirth, what does this feel like? I said, well, this is a 20. <laughs> I could do the childbirth thing. <laughs> this is very painful. Yeah. Oh, uh, I don't, but I can give it to you. <laughs> like I said, if you go over to Angie's, you will see everything. Her library is very, very nice. Okay, now I'm going to give you, and like I said, whenever I read something, I knew that there was a Bible something behind it. There was truth behind it, because everything that God has made in nature has truth. And I wanted to know what that was. So every time I did something, read something, I just kneel and I'd start praying and say, okay, what is this? And then you get certain concepts, like I told you yesterday, green, chlorophyll, um, red, you know, when we look at light, we already know it's going to be red, white, it's going to be red, oh, you have to help me here, blue and green. And so we're going to see God's character in those. So there's certain concepts you just get, you know, and after you do it for a while, it just becomes so easy. You're just doing it over and over and over, and it's just natural to you, and it's, all of you do that. You have a field that you're good at, and it just comes a time you just know what to do. I work with kids with ADD and autism and um, dyslexia and dyscalculia and those kind of issues. I just know, when I meet with a kid, I just know. I know what's going on, I just know what to do. You know, God gives us, in our, gifts, gives us gifts in our fills. He blesses us, and this is no different. So I'm gonna give you this, and I'm gonna have each of you write down your lessons. I don't want you to say them out loud. I want you to write down your lesson, and just, this is kind of a way that I've walked through things just to give you an idea of how it works. Ooh, this thing's nice and warm. Okay, so we have a tree. And there's a branch, and I'm not an artist here, but there's a leaf on this branch. And then we have the same tree, and now we have a fruit. Okay, every year the plant two times goes through this process. It's called an abscission layer, and it happens every year. It happens at winter time, and it happens right before the fruit's ready. And it's the same process, and I'm gonna explain it, and then tell you how it works different and you're going to tell me why it works different. And so, and then any other spiritual lessons you get from this, and then I'll show you what God showed me when I was doing this, okay? So there is a thing called abscission layer. This tree realizes that it is not going to make it through the winter because it's going to be too cold, it's not going to get enough moisture, and if it doesn't do something, it's going to die. And so it does something to protect itself to keep it from dying because there's not enough moisture that's going to come up into it to feed these leaves. So it sits right here and it makes what we call an abscission layer. It cuts off exactly what it's doing. It's cutting off the nourishment going into this leaf. So it's going to cut that off. Okay, <clears throat> so it's going to cut this off. And what happens is there's sugars that are going up in here. And the minute it cuts this off, then the sugars are going down into this, and so it cuts it off, but the sugars are trapped now. With those sugars being trapped, it actually is causing the green in here, the chlorophyll, to go away. The minute the chlorophyll goes away, then we start seeing what the color of the leaf really was. So this leaf has always had yellow, or orange, these are our basic ones, or red. That has always been there. We just can't see it because all we see is the green. But when it goes away, the chlorophyll, we will see the colors. Then it dies and it drops and it falls to the ground, okay? And then we have all these leaves down here, okay? Got that? Now that happens again, Right before the fruit is ripe, we have a chlorophyll incision right here, layer, that happens. And it's doing the same thing. It's forcing all the sugar into this. Now, it forced the sugar into this, too, which caused chlorophyll to go away. 
When it forces the sugar into the fruit, what does it do to the fruit? Ripens it, okay? It ripens it. Okay, so this then drops also, but now it's ready to eat, and this one has died. But yet it's the same thing. The scission layer is the exact same thing, but this one dies, this one lives. Now, I want you to think, and if you don't know, just pray, write on your piece of paper, what is it that's different about this than the leaf? One, what kind of lessons can you see here? You've already talked about color. We talked about color and character. We've already talked about that. And we're talking about green. We should know what that means right now. So I want you to just start writing down some thoughts of what this could be and what this could be. But the main one I want first is why does this one die and that one lives when it's exactly the same thing? Why is that happening? So you can take about two minutes here and write those down. Do you have any thoughts? Did she bring us water? No. Here, hold it on my back. We're going to make it, right? I cannot tell you the pain I'm in right now. This is just unbelievable. I don't know what helps at the moment. <laughs> We're just going to get through this. Okay, so what do, okay, so we have about a minute's gone by. Somebody's got some notes. You've got put down some concepts. Okay. All right, girl. Yep. Okay. So this one, Faith, I'm writing down what she said. Now, maybe I should have asked, did everyone get some thoughts down? Did I, I don't want to cut you too short. Did you get some thoughts? Let me you still have some thoughts? Do you need a little more time? Okay, a little bit more time? Okay, that's fine. I don't want to do it before you have time to think. Okay, let me go another minute. Wait, wait, wait. We're going to let write down some thoughts. Are you good? Everyone's got some thoughts? I want to make sure you got some thoughts. I don't go too fast. Yeah, everyone take a minute, think, okay? I want you to think. The main one I want you to tell me is you're giving me some good ones, I would definitely want you to tell me why, write it down, why this one dies, this one lives. Because the same thing happens. And think about it too, when the sun shines on ice, it melts, but when it gets on clay, it hardens. But it's the same sun, but two reactions are different, okay? That may help you there. Think about that, and while you're thinking, I'm going to sit down for a minute. Okay, so what is the difference between, well, let's look at the lesson. Okay, lessons, let's get lessons first. Okay, so I got yours, this, and our true colors show. And what did we learn about color? What would yellow be? When we talked about colors, yellow. Everyone says, boy, you sure are yellow. What are they saying? You're a chicken, you're a coward. That's the term we use. I'm um, red. Anger. Okay, orange, I don't know if we have one for orange, but we have yellow and red. Caution, okay. But it's character, and when the green goes away, as long as the green is there, it, our faith is shining. But you have character underneath that faith that you have. When that faith leaves, your character shows, and it can be on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. You wake up in the morning, and you may show the Jesus in your heart, and within five minutes, it's gone. We see your character. It shows, you know. And I remember one time, my little girl, I was um, little. She was really little, and I was going through a lot of depression at the time. And Stacy came in, and she said, Mommy are you okay? And I said, no. She said, are you sad? And I said, no. And she said, oh, well, are you happy? And I said, no. And she said, well, what are you? And I said, I'm blue, Stacy. And she said, you're not blue, Mommy. You're white. <laughs> you, know, you don't look blue to me. <laughs> you know, but, but that's a term that we use in character. So here we are having faith. And as long as our faith is there, those colors don't show. But when we start losing our faith, you start showing who you really are. And that's why we always need to have a strong faith working in our life. 
And it shows more in our home than any place else, because that's where our weaknesses show. Okay, so that's one lesson. But now, why? What is it different about the leaf and different about the fruit? Anybody know? What? The fruit what? Okay, the fruit has new life within it. Okay, you're starting. Why does it have new life? Wait one second. Jen probably has it. Was why does it have new life? What does the fruit have that the leaf doesn't? A seed. All right. Okay, what did we learn so far in the Bible about a seed? What does the Bible say? The seed is the... Luke 8, 11 is the... Word of God. Okay, so the seed is the Word of God. So if we look at this, that seed is the life. It is. And that's why it can be cut off and it still lives. Where this is cut off and it dies because there's nothing in there to keep it alive. It's got its own true colors. It's not showing. This one has something in it that keeps it alive. Spiritually, what would that mean for us? Jesus in our heart. If Jesus is on our heart, what's going to happen? Louder, louder. We're going to have life. We're going to live. Okay? We're going to have a good character. We're going to look good. If he's not in our lives, we're going to see... <clears throat> the seed is hidden in the fruit. Very good. The seed is hidden in the fruit. And, but it also shows in our character, doesn't it? that you don't, you always know that there's something alive in here because of what we see on the outside. We know that it's alive, where that one doesn't. So that's how I started, was just taking a concept and just saying, okay, well, I know there's a seed. And that's when I went, well, what does a seed represent? Well, that's the word of God, okay? So what does that mean? It's cut off. I'm also thinking about the end times, okay? Something about the end times. Where do I need to be in the end times that are coming? Where do I need to be? There or here? The leaf or the fruit? Why the fruit? Fruit bearing. Also, we're going to be cut off from all our sources. And so we have to have the seed in our heart. Because if we don't, we're not going to make it through the end times that are coming. We have to have that in our hearts. So that's taking something very simple and it's turning it into deep spiritual things. Anybody else had any concepts that I didn't cover? We need the latter rain to ripen. Very good. Because, we, yeah, that we need the latter rain. Anything else? We need to die to self. Okay, very good. Self-sacrificing love. Okay, good. So if we look at an apple, we have red, self-sacrificing love. And it only, self-sacrificing love only comes when that seed's alive in the heart. Faith only comes when that seed's alive in the heart. Obedience only comes when that seed's alive in the heart. Okay, Jesus is the seed that dies and goes into the earth. That other fruit can come up. Very good. And a whole other fruit tree is in that seed which will bear more fruit, right. Do you see what happens? It just moves on and on and on. Yes, Angie? Well, I was thinking, like, it's all about purpose. So we all have an opportunity to connect with the Lord and serve another person so we can grow. And if we're focused on ourselves, we're Exactly. And I would repeat all that, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Angie's going to have to come up and repeat that. I should, that's what I should do, is let you have this. Angie, you want to come do that? <laughs> but do you see how simple it really is? When you start already having concepts and you start asking the Lord, and also with the Holy Spirit, 
The Holy Spirit teaches you. You know, like I said, when we got on our knees and we said, okay, what's next? The Lord would give us a thought and then we'd go research that thought and say, oh, wow, that was so amazing. And then we'd research the next thought. Oh, that was so amazing. You know, you have the Holy Spirit. So, And that's all these people did. They didn't have any other resources. They looked at this. They prayed. The Lord gave them an insight, and they wrote it down in the book. Praise the Lord for those of us that need that to get us started. But you have a God that's going to teach you, too, if you want to know. Angie, go ahead and come share that. All right, so the key to life is purpose. And when we have a purpose, then we go out and do something for the Lord. And so when we are in the church and we have so many opportunities available to us, whether through school or through pastors or camp meeting, you name it, there's many opportunities to grow in the Lord and become strong and do wonderful works for him and be beautiful on the outside serving him. But if we don't plant it in deep like a seed in the fruit, then when you leave the, the, the church to go and work in the world for the Lord like we're supposed to do, we die. But if the seed is planted deep, then we're a fruit and we're productive and we have something to give. And you can tell this young lady spends a lot of time in nature <laughs> looking for spiritual concepts. And like I said, you just start doing it and the God's going to bless you. Um, I'm going to stop because I'm really hurting, and I'm going to have my husband have prayer. I'm hoping tomorrow's better that I can share some more with you, but I've got to figure out what I need to do here. <laughs> Close with prayer. Loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us together today to study nature, to study your word, to learn from you and your Holy Spirit. We just ask in a special way that you bless us all with the the information that we've received to your glory and honor. Please take care of your life too. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.